May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Help me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. May I serve with honor in the role you've given me. And may I never go beyond my place as I serve my Savior and I give you praise. Help me follow the truth and I'll be saved. May my hands be holy when I kneel in prayer. May my life be holy when I praise. Though me, Lord, respect the role you've given me. May I serve with honor all my days. Become greater. Those words come from John the Baptist in John chapter 3. See, earlier today we looked at John the Baptist and, and him as a person and kind of his what his task was, what he came here to do. And in this video now, what we're going to take a look at is a couple chapters later. You know, earlier today we were mainly in John 1. Now we're going to be in John 3. And in John 3, 
John the Baptist, once again, kind of, uh, there's, there's a bit of a section where John the Baptist and his ministry is described. And there's kind of three phrases that I want us to look at. One of them that I think is really uh, one that guides this whole lesson and this whole thought, this whole section is that he must become greater. And that's John the Baptist who's talking about Jesus because Jesus must become greater. And, you know, in any way that God gets the glory and Jesus gets the glory and he gets the praise, John was pleased with that. That's what he wanted. That's the type of people that we need to become as well. So let's take a look at this passage here in John 3 and let's find out what we can learn from John the Baptist. The first phrase that I want us to see is this phrase that shows up in verse 26 of John 3. He is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Now, what that was talking about is that was reported to John because John comes onto the scene and he's baptizing and everything's going great, you know, for the most part. Not everybody's accepting the message, of course, but a lot of people are accepting his message. But then Jesus comes onto the scene and then Jesus starts baptizing as well. So then in John 3, 26, it gets reported to John the Baptist that, hey, he, you know, Jesus is baptizing and everyone is going to him. Well, there's something that we can learn from John's response to this, because John was very pleased that this was taking place. But let's look at this within its context. John chapter 3, verses 22 through 26. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside, where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon near Salem, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. See, this is how it was reported to John. And you know, you look at this and, and sometimes people that are in the position similar to John you know, they might uh, have a, this as a little bit of a tension, you know, and they might think, oh, well, you know, my ministry isn't doing as good because everybody else is going somewhere else right now. But in this case, what John's task was, was to prepare the way, you know, to make straight the way for the Lord. Well, now the Lord has come and the Lord is doing things. The Lord is actually kind of taking over in this instance. And in this case, you know, the Lord is baptizing, even though really it's just, you know, the disciples of the Lord, but still, you know, he's baptizing and everyone's going to him. Well, guess what? John doesn't respond with jealousy. He responds with rejoicing because this is exactly what was supposed to happen, that everybody is supposed to go to Jesus. And as far as these baptisms go, you know, we've already seen that, yes, John baptized and his baptism was very important. I mean, it's not by accident that Jesus himself was baptized by John. Okay, that was to fulfill all righteousness. It, it had to be done that way. It was an important part. But yet, John's baptism, it, it only lasted for so long, because now Jesus is picking up and, and things are changing now. Uh, as we looked at earlier this morning, you know, John's baptism, uh, it was one that, that was of water, but Jesus' baptism is baptism with the Holy Spirit. In fact, uh, let's take a look at some of those passages again that we looked at this morning as well. And, and let's notice this contrast here and how great this news is that everybody is going to Jesus now. So in John chapter 1, 
backing up, and we looked at that this, this morning as well, but in John 1, verses 32 through 34, then John gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. I have seen and I testify that this is God's chosen one. So John doesn't respond with this by being jealous. He doesn't respond by being angry. He's not disappointed. He responds in a positive way because Jesus' baptism is supposed to take over. We see that Jesus' baptism is going to be related here with the Holy Spirit and that that's going to continue on. You know, if you want to see what it looks like to be baptized and the Holy Spirit is involved in that baptism, take a look at the book of Acts. You know, once uh, Peter starts preaching on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 and beyond, you start to see that the Holy Spirit is actively involved in the church. And it's wonderful what you see. And it has to do with this baptism now that's in the name of Jesus and that is done by the authority of Jesus. John knew that was his goal and he was happy. So yes, Jesus is baptizing and everybody's going to him, but that's great news. Let's take a look at another phrase. So the second phrase that we see in this passage comes to us from verse 30 of John 3. And this is John speaking about Jesus and he says, he must become greater and I must become less. Oh, wouldn't this be great if we can really live our lives like this? You know, if we can live our lives that we understand Jesus must become greater in, in everything about it, and we must become less. That's hard. You know, I mean, it, it really is hard, and it goes against what we naturally want to do. You know, naturally, we oftentimes want to put ourselves first. It, it just kind of happens in different ways, but yet that's not what our focus needs to be on. We need to see that Jesus has got to become greater. We must become less. Let, let's learn this lesson from John the Baptist. Let's see his example. John chapter 3, verses 27 through 30 now. To this, that is the news that everybody's going to Jesus to be baptized. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens to him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine. It is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. So you see, this is a wonderful lesson. If we could learn this, and if we could be just like John in this case, that we recognize that our ministry is not supposed to be something really great in and of itself. What all of our ministry is supposed to be about is pointing towards Jesus, allowing people to, to come to him, to follow him, not to follow us, not to follow our teachings but to follow Jesus and what he has taught. Now, of course, the goal is that we should be connected with what Jesus taught. And the things that we should be teaching should be the same things that Jesus taught. Yes, all of that is true. But we still need to understand that Jesus is the one who he's at the top. That We are servants. We're serving him. He must become greater. I must become less. Now, John continues to say things like this. And also in John chapter 1, he, he said some of those uh, similar statements as well. Uh, for example, John always knew his place. He knew he was not the Messiah. He was sent ahead of the Messiah to prepare that way. In fact, that's what his answer was. 
Back in John chapter 1, and we looked at this this morning, verses 22 and 23, finally the Jews said, who are you? And in verse 23, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I'm the voice of one calling in the wilderness, make straight the way for the Lord. John knew from the very beginning that this was his, his calling. This was his purpose, was to be that voice to make straight the way for the Lord. And he recognized that the Lord has got to become greater and he himself, John the Baptist, must become less. Now, John was a great guy. He was a wonderful guy. But he's also one who is uh, serving Jesus, you know, pointing toward Jesus and making straight that way for the Lord. This is the lesson that we can learn from John himself. And hopefully uh, that can be seen in our own ministries, in our own interaction with people, that we recognize Jesus is what is greater than us. There's another phrase from John 3 that I want us to pay attention to. This time from John 3, verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Now just, just pause for a moment. Think about that. And I also want you to, to just meditate upon that for a little bit. Read it again. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Isn't that a wonderful statement of faith? I mean, everything about this gives us this assurance that we can have eternal life if we believe in the Son. Well, let's look at this statement within its context because it's even better than just this statement alone. John chapter 3, verses 31 through 36. This is John still speaking. He says, The one who comes from above is above all. The one who is from the earth belongs to the earth and speaks as one from the earth. The one who comes from heaven is above all. He testifies to what he has seen and heard, but no one accepts his testimony. Whoever has accepted it has certified that God is truthful. For the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the Spirit without limit. The Father loves the Son and has placed everything in his hands. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. Now, this passage, there's, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of great statements of faith within it. And a lot that can help us kind of just focus on what truly is important. And that is that Jesus Christ, he's the one who came from above. He's greater than us. He's been around before us. I mean, do I need to keep going on about this? I mean, just read any one of the Gospels. And you'll notice how great Jesus is and that he's better than each and every one of us. But yet still... Part of all of this plan was that he would die in our place, that, that he would take our place on the cross. And we also see that the part that the son played, and we see that the part that we are called to play, and that is to believe in him, to have faith in him, to follow the son. And we're given this wonderful promise in verse 36 that whoever believes in the son has eternal life. And that is so wonderful. But if you notice that phrase that I mentioned earlier, there's more to that verse. The rest of it is a very sobering thought. So whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. That's wonderful. And we need to rest uh, on that. Definitely during difficult times. But, you know, even whenever times are great, this is wonderful to understand that we can have eternal life whenever we have faith. A faith that is active in the Son. But notice that there's more to that verse. The rest of that verse says, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. So whoever rejects the Son will not see life. For God's wrath remains on them. 
you know, at first you might read that and you might think, oh, well, this is, you know, some, some horrible thing that, you know, God would just have such wrath about that just by people rejecting his son. But if you even have the slightest tendency to start thinking that, I want you to think again about what Jesus did and what God did with sending his son Jesus in our place. I mean, it's so important that we don't reject what Jesus did. It's so important that we accept what Jesus did, believe in what Jesus did, and follow what Jesus did. I mean, that, that was crucial to the plan of God. If you want to know something about, you know, something that you cannot just take away from the Bible and still get the rest of the picture, it, it is what Jesus did. And what he did is so important. We cannot reject it. Whenever you reject it, you're not going to see life. Why is that? It's stated that God's wrath remains on them, and that is true. But you got to understand that God is life. I mean, he's the one who is the author, and he is the sustainer of all life. So whenever we reject the Son of God, whenever we reject God, and whenever we reject the way of God and the plan of God, what else would there be for us that's left? There, we, if we reject God, we reject life. We ourselves bring that upon us by doing that. But yet, notice again, okay, I don't want to go too negative in that because you got to recognize the first part of the verse. See, so many times in these, these Bible verses that, that people quote, and that we look at, you know, uh, a lot of times when there's some negative thing, there's also a positive thing with it. And it kind of depends on which one you want to focus on. And, you know, sometimes these really positive things, they can be great statements, but we have to recognize that they are to be considered with the rest of that, too. For example, if you just take in verse 36 and just focus on whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Yes, that's true. And yes, that's so important. But you also have to understand the rest of that, too, and combine both thoughts together and recognize kind of the complete thought that's going on. And that is that we cannot reject the Son. We cannot reject God. We cannot reject life because then we just won't have life. But if we accept the Son, if we accept God's way, if we believe in the Son, then we can have eternal life. And the rest of this verse, we don't have to worry about those things. We don't have to be afraid of those things because it doesn't apply to us. As long as we don't reject the Son, then God's wrath is not going to be on us. But, you know, this is something that it requires us to, to think about it and to do it every single day. We have to believe in the Son, but that means every single day that we wake up, we've got to choose to believe in the Son and rest assured that he will give us eternal life and that he has given us eternal life. How has he done that? What has he done? What part did the Son play? A crucial part. Earlier in John 3, John's already told us that. Actually, by the words of, of uh uh, of Jesus himself, he starts talking about this. In John 3, verses 13 through 16, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So when you look at this passage, yes, it includes the beloved John three sixteen. So wonderful that God loved us that much, that he did that for us. But we notice how he did it. He did it just like how Moses lifted up that snake in the wilderness. Well, guess what? The Son of Man was lifted up as well on the cross. And everyone who believes can have eternal life in him. It's the same thing. You know, all, all of this that, that John is bringing up is, is talking about the importance of the faith that we must have in Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God, the Chosen One. And this is the same lesson that we can learn from John the Baptist, 
who constantly recognize the fact that Jesus must become greater and he must become less. I hope and I pray that we can be people who will do the same thing, that we will lift up Jesus, recognize the rightful place, that Jesus must become greater and we must become less. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and wash my sins away. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized and then I can be saved. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized with Jesus I'll be raised. I love you, Lord, so I want to be baptized giving God, giving God the praise and I'll be born again. Born of the water and the Spirit and I'll be born again. Born of the blood of the Lamb and I'll be born again. Walking in the love of forgiveness and I'll be born again. Yes, born again. Obeying Christ the the Lord, so my friends, I've been baptized and washed my sins away. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. I'm now among the saved. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. With Jesus, I've been raised. I love the Lord, so my friend, I've been baptized. Giving God, giving God the praise, and I've been born again. Born of the water and the spirit, and I've been born again. Washed in the blood of the Lamb, and I've been born again. Walking in a life of forgiveness, and I've been born again. Yes, born again, a child of God I am. I love you, friend, won't you come and be baptized? And wash your sins away. I love you, friend, won't you come and be baptized? And then you can be saved. I love you, friend, won't you come and be baptized? With Jesus you'll be raised. I love you, friend, won't you come and be baptized? Giving God the praise. And I'll be born again, born of the water and the spirit, and you'll be born again, wash in the blood of the Lamb, and you'll be born again, walking in a life of forgiveness, and you'll be born again, yes, born again, obeying Christ the Lamb.